Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Well, we are concluding today a series of messages that we've entitled, How to Change the World. How to change the world. Listen, I've said this for many weeks now, and I'll say it again. I believe that situated right here in these chairs at Faith Assembly Church and across all our locations are people in whom there is bound up the potential and the opportunity to be world changers. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to prescribe to you what the scope or the dynamics of all of that is or what it looks like. You may only change the world inside of yourself, and if you do that, you're way ahead of a lot of people. And you may only change the world in your home or maybe the lives of your kids. If you do that, you're way ahead of a lot of people. Or you may change the world in your workplace. You may change the world through your ministry and your service here at this church. That is entirely uh, possible with God that he would work through your life to do that very thing. Or you know what? God may even give you a grander platform still and you can just look back over your life and say, man... What God has done here is absolutely something that exceeds my wildest expectations. So, uh, without any further ado, we're going to jump into this today, and we're going to kind of, let's just take a minute here and remap where we've been, okay? Because we started on this a long time ago. It's, it's, we're about week eight now at this point. I only had six messages. Uh, Pastor Lisa and Pastor Troy, of course, interjected a couple of messages in there. Uh, that were just incredible in and of themselves. But uh, today, just want to re- re- retrace our steps here and see how we get to this place of being world changers. First of all, is that we submit ourselves and we spend time with the Lord and we seek, uh, we seek the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That we, we, just, we pray subjectively and say, Lord, here am I. Guide me, inspire me, and use my life for your glory. And then secondly, we live in a way that just sets us apart from the rest of the world entirely. And that is that we follow and live by the golden rule. You know what the golden rule is? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. In, in our world, you know, it's more like do unto others before they get a chance to do it to you, right? And, but but the, in the kingdom of God, that is counter. It's not about number one, but it's about putting ourselves in second place, third place, whatever the case may be, and serving and loving other people with the expectation that we would, that others would show towards us. And if you will do that, you will be different, you will be standout. And then a third part of that is that if we want to change the world, we are going to have to be faithful in adversity. Once we've sought the Lord, once we've understood God's plans for us, let me, let me tell just fill all of you in this morning who are maybe seeking the Lord today and saying, God, what do you have me do? What do you, how do you want to use my life? And you know, you're about to jump out into something new and you're thinking that because you're going to follow Jesus and you're going to allow the Lord to use your life, that everything from here on is going to be sunshine and rainbows and all that good stuff. And, and, uh, no, Mm-mm. no, here's the thing. <clears throat> the only way to not meet opposition is to be going the same way as the resistance. 
The, uh, that's the only way to not meet opposition. The only way that you will not be opposed by your adversary is if you and he are headed in the same direction. And none of us want to do that. But the minute that you step out in the call and the anointing of God, you will be headed counter to your adversary and you will know resistance. You will know adversity. But my cry to you today, my plea to you is... Just be faithful in adversity because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you're withstood in this life. It doesn't matter about the hardships. All those are just more crowns to lay at the feet of Jesus when we get to what ultimately matters in this world. Fourth, we are to do our part. That we, we not only pray inquiring, but we also pray submissively. And we say, Lord, what, whatever your will is, God, I'm going to do this. I'm not looking around for somebody else and just praying, God, somebody needs to. But I'm positioning myself, posturing myself to say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Use me. Last week we talked about seeking understanding and, and how that is essential to us being able to rightly execute God's call on our lives. Because, you know, here's the thing. How many of you in this room have ever studied for your field that you currently are employed in just show of hands real quick you you've taken training classes you know you wanted to be a nurse so you went to nursing school you wanted to be whatever you are so you're you're seeking instruction in that field I wanted to be a pastor I felt God's call on that as a matter of fact in the early days people would say what is God calling you to do I said God's calling me right now to prepare myself right because that's what I knew in that moment was that God was preparing me. I didn't know what doors were ahead, but I knew that if I wanted to be what God was calling me to be, I would need to prepare myself. And so therefore we seek understanding because we want to execute on God's call for our lives. So then that brings us to today to the close of this series of messages. And we're going to be, committing, we're going to be talking about committing all of this to the Lord. And why is it so important that we study and understand commitment and the importance of that in our lives as believers as we're following the Lord? Well, because the word of the Lord says this in Psalm 127, that unless the Lord builds the house. See, you and me can get all the formulas in place. We can get all the principles highlighted in our Bibles. We can get all of the refrigerator magnets where they need to be to properly motivate us and to move us forward. But the word says that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And I want to tell you something today, church. We need to be in the word. We need to be in the Word now more than ever before. We need to be studying to show ourselves approved. We need to be hiding God's Word in our hearts that we might not sin against Him. We need to be making it the lamp unto our feet, the light unto our path. I'm not saying that we don't need those things because we desperately do. But we don't ever need to take an approach to the Word of the Lord that makes our service to God formulaic and, and creates an equation where dependence upon God has been extracted out of it because 
even though we may know all of these things, even though we may understand biblical principle, even though we maybe are, are walking in a, in a religious kind of way or a, 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 a kind of a way that we're, we're, we just, we're moving in accordance to our wisdom, if we do those things void of the favor of God, if we do those things void of the blessing and the grace of God, it's not going to amount to much and certainly it won't amount to anything lasting. Because what God builds is eternal. The best we can do is temporal. Listen, I can craft you a sermon today. I could say the right things. I could make people come to my appeal and, and, and you know, go through the motion of giving their hearts to the Lord. But what I have argued people into, somebody else can argue them out of. But if the Spirit of the Lord gets a hold of their heart, He's going to do a deep and lasting work in their lives. And I'm encouraging you today that we don't need to just know what it is that we need to be doing, but we need to know by whom we need to be doing it and we need to commit our way to the Lord and let him establish our going out and our coming in and let him make the way for us where there seems to be no way so last week we looked at a great rededication service as God's people all revisited the scriptures to be reminded of what manner of persons they ought to be and after a great repentance service we read in chapter 9 about how the people of Jerusalem rededicated themselves to live in obedience to God's law. They expressed their commitment by signing and sealing a document that outlined specific areas of concern and they made a promise to the Lord never, ever, ever to neglect those areas again. They said, Lord, this is our line in the sand. This, we're making our stand here. Now, I want to stop for just a minute and talk with you honestly, openly, and maybe even a little bit transparently. And I believe that as we do that today, you will be able to readily identify with my story. Because as I ask you these questions, understand that my answer to these questions is a resounding yes. Yes, I have. But have you ever looked into the word of the Lord? Have you ever been reading your Bible and something leapt off the pages? And, and you're just considering the message or maybe you hear a sermon and in that moment you are stirred to the point of commitment. And you just, you, you just fired all the way up. Like you are fired up and you say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Have you ever promised yourself? Maybe, maybe that is on the, on the uh, side of a catalyst that's moving us towards something. Maybe there's something in your life that you've committed to get rid of. That the Holy Spirit has put His hand on a thing in your life and, and, and brought conviction and showed you where you need to rid yourself of that thing and you need to, you need to as Paul says, put off the old man. And, and you're there in, in that moment of conviction. Have you ever promised yourself or the Lord? That the last time was the last time until the next time came around and as soon as you found and, and as soon as it did you found out that the bond of that pledge wasn't as strong as you had intended for it to be and there you are in the same cycle all over again have you ever pledged to do something to cultivate your spiritual growth 
to increase your obedience to the commands of the Lord and live with a more dogged dedication to the word of the Lord. I know for me, sometimes my personal life, it sounds like a sad country song. And, and I believe there's many of us too. It's like, you know, if we can make it through December, that's when you know you listen to old music. Is, is like nobody got that. But we live that way. It's like if, if we can make it to the new year, if we can make it to the new year, we're going to read our Bible more. We're going to attend church more regularly. We're going to pray more. We're going to eat right. We're going to spend right. We're going to... Right? I mean, how many of you, January 1 is the, just the day that lives in infamy. I mean, it is all, the planets are going to align and everything is going to get right on January 1. And from that point forward, it's just going to be like it's supposed to be. You know, we, we live with that. And I know there have been times, and, and I've been in that place, where we're all fired up for a season. And it, it just seems like the vision or passion of that moment is such that we make a commitment and it just, you know, it doesn't take long after that before it begins to wax cold and the fire is not burning in our hearts as it did just a short time ago. And I want to tell you something today, church. You and I will never change ourselves. We will never change our homes. We will never change our thoughts. We will never change anything with fleeting and momentary commitments. And I know, I know that's a daunting word in this generation when we begin to talk about commitment because really, you know, most of the people in this, they're committed to themselves. And, you know, I, I just, I just want to encourage you today to really look at the strength of your commitments as it relates to the kingdom of God and re, as it relates to service to the Lord and understanding that you're not your own to start with. You've been bought with a price. You don't belong to you. You belong to the king and he has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light to show forth his glory, not to live for your own. So... Before we get too far down this road today, I want to share with you exactly how this kind of played out. So as we're following along, the people of Jerusalem have been reacquainted with their kingdom purpose. Therefore, they've sought the instruction of Scripture. They've understood that what they've been called to do is something that's outside of themselves. And they said, look, we need, we need some further instruction on this. And we've seen that through the study of the Scripture, there was brought about a, short, a sort of a national revival. And the people have repented of their slothfulness spiritually that, that had been such a detriment to their service as world changers. And now they're back on the right track. And we pick it up here in Nehemiah chapter 10, beginning in verse 8. And it says this, The rest of the people, priests, Levites, gates, gatekeepers, musicians, temple servants, and all who had separated themselves from the neighboring peoples for the sake of the law of God, together with their wives and all their sons and daughters who were able to understand, all these now join their fellow Israelites, the nobles, and bind themselves with a curse and an oath to follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God, and to carefully, to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord our Lord. Now, in the closing verses of chapter 9, it tells of the writing of a decree and a commitment to the things of God. 
Chapter 10 starts off with a list of signers of that decree. Verse 28 says that everybody joined into a pledge of that commitment. And, you know, here's, here's what they were pledging to. Don't you, you like that when people ask you to make a commitment but you don't know to what? So let me tell you to what they were committing. They were committing to living separated from the world as God's chosen people. Verse 28. That's, that's what that is. They're saying, Lord... We believe that you have redeemed us, that you have ransomed us, that you have set us free, not for our own sakes, but for your glory. And we want to live as your special people, and we want to live, verse 29, in obedience to your law. That's what we're committing to. We're committing to a life of holiness. We're committing to a life of obedience. And, and that, that's, that's the essence of this commitment. And I don't know if you caught that or not in verse 29, but they are serious about this issue of commitment and they are so serious how serious you ask I'm glad you ask they are so serious that they not only make a commitment to the Lord an oath to serve the Lord they not only make a promise but they also pronounce a curse over themselves if they don't follow through on serving the Lord and fulfilling this commitment they not only made a commitment, but they also laid out some specific ways that they were going to fulfill that covenant. Now, before we get into those specific ways, I want to share with you how important this really is because you may be hearing this message this morning and say, you know what, Pastor, I, I know what you're talking about, but such is life. You know, we, we all do that. Don't we all do that? We all do that. Everybody does that. Everybody, all guilty parties, raise your hands right now. Yeah, we've all been there, we've all done that. You know, there's these special moments in life where we're going to start fresh and we're going to commit anew and we're, gonna, we're just going to be super Christian. But here's the thing, and this is where it gets really serious. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 5, Solomon says that it's better to not make a vow. It's better. It's better for you and I that we not make a vow. We just don't, I mean, under promise and over deliver, not over promise and under deliver. It's better for us to not make a vow than make one and not fulfill it. So, so what about you? I want to ask you in this moment, what about you? You've made, you've made the commitments. Have you ever made a commitment to the Lord and not fulfilled it? I, I believe we're all just being horrific liars if we say that we haven't because I, I know what human nature is and I know that tendency that's there. But I'm not here to condemn or beat on you this morning. I'm here to tell you that it's not too late. That's what I want to encourage you with today. So here's some, here's some specific ways that they, 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 they intended to fulfill this commitment to the Lord. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 10 verse 30 says this, We promise, we promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the people around us or to take, our, take their daughters for our sons. Okay? You say, well, that's, that's amazing. So, Right? And if we just read that at face value in this generation, it may not mean anything to us that much. But I want to tell you, in the Old Testament, this was a huge deal. This was a, this was a big deal because the, the people of God, for a, for a Jew to marry a non-Jew was huge. 
This is not an issue. I want you to understand this because we've got a lot of arguments in our society today and people try to pull from different points of view and things like that to underscore their argument. But I want you to understand this. This is not an issue of ethnicity. This is not an issue of race. It's not the prejudice of one race against another. Marriage then, as marriage should be today, but especially then was not just centered around the relationship between a bride and groom. It was deeper than that. I try to encourage young people when I'm counseling them for, for, for premarital counseling to say, listen, you are not just marrying this person. Like, if you don't like their mama and their daddy, there's a good chance you ain't going to like them. Because not only are you marrying them, but you're marrying a whole lot of them. Because they are a culmination of them. And it's not just a bride and groom, but it's the intermingling of two families in a relationship of shared values, of attitudes and activities. This is a spiritual commitment. And I just want to say to somebody this morning that maybe you're searching, maybe you're waiting, maybe you're looking. And I want to just say, be careful where you look and be careful how selective you are because it's not just the issue of finding somebody. It's an issue of finding God's body who is going to honor the Lord and pursue the things of God with you and serve with you and be a help to you and not a hindrance to you as you're pursuing God's will for your life. Now, the essence of what they're saying here is that for a Jew to marry a non-Jew would most certainly result in a spiritual compromise. This is not about genetic purity or any of that. It's about spiritual compromise. They're saying, Lord, we don't, we don't want to do that because when we allow the pagans into our family, we're going to be blending and intermingling. And we know that you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light, not to pursue the things of this world, but to show your glory to the world around us. And I, I got to tell you, church, we need to get back to that, that, you know, where we're in essence saying, Lord, we're committing ourselves to your word. We're committing to a life of holiness unto you. And we're pledging that there won't be any spiritual compromise in our camp. And then, secondly, they pledged their worship. And if we were to take the time this morning to read the remaining nine verses of this chapter, we would find that with this renewed pledge of holiness also came a renewed pledge and a commitment to worship. Now, if you remember just a couple of pages earlier, they were confronted with the law of God as Ezra the priest stood and he read and the Levites explained so that everyone understood. And the law had very specific instructions for the practice of worship. And these people made a very specific promise of obedience to those instructions. They said, Lord, we're going to worship you by keeping the Sabbath. We're going to worship you in the principles of stewardship. You know, the only way that we can honor God and worship him, you know, is, is not just with upraised hands, but it's also in the handling of the things that he entrusts to us. You, you know, you're a steward today. You are a steward the word says that the gold is his, the silver is his, and that he has given you the strength to go and get wealth. And it's one of our very primary ways of honoring him and worshiping him is to honor him with the first fruits of the increase. And just say, Lord, we recognize you in this moment. 
We recognize you in this provision and we worship you with not only our hearts, but we say that nothing else is going to have our heart before you do. And they made a pledge to give a tenth of all their increase to the house of the Lord. They donated wood and they appointed priests so that there would always be a view before the altar of the Lord to offer sacrifices and to worship Him. But here's the thing, and this is the point I want to drive home for you today. How many times, and I know I've asked this question several times, but how many times have we pledged, Lord, this is it? This is it. I'm going to honor you this time with everything I've got. New Year's Day is coming. The revival was great. The sermon was on point. The, just the encouragement was exactly what I needed. God, that was my verse I needed for whatever the catalyst is that brings us to that point of commitment. How many times have we said, Lord, this is it. I'm giving it all to you. I'm going to honor you with everything I've got. I'm not going to live, I'm not going to live according to the world, but according to your word. I'm going to live a holy life. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to study to show myself approved. Lord, you will be number one in my life. How many times have we done that? Probably for most of us, more than we can count, recall, or remember. We, we know. And, and the problem with the people of Nehemiah's day was one with which you and I are all too familiar. Are you ready? The issue then is the same as it is now. Life got busy. They fell into the trap of the mundane. They lost sight of things that really mattered. And the things that should have taken preeminence in their lives are the commitments that they had made to the Lord. And those things began to be set aside and to fall further and further and further down the priorities list. And I, I know that's life. That is one of the tactics of your adversary and mine is that, you know, we just so focus on the tangibles and what, you know, what is right in front of us, the, the tyranny of the urgent, what I need to do right now. But let me tell you something, what you need to do right now, worse than anything else in this life, is to be connected with a loving God who wants to pour his presence out on your life and who wants to favor you with good things and he wants to open up your understanding and show you new things in the spirit and take you to different places and open up doors of opportunity. That's what we really need. But the press, the press of the natural is almost crushing at times. And, and it just, it begins to overwhelm. And I want you to think about just a couple of things as we close, uh, as we close things out today. And here's a question that I always ask. I, I was reminded, and, and you can stand. You can stand. It helps me finish. I feel bad for you when you stand. And I've had to stand the whole service, but I feel bad for you when you stand. There was a man being interviewed, I heard him, he said that a friend of his came to him and says, you know, I'd, I'd, really, I'd really like to pursue my, my, my undergrad degree. He said, but I'm, I'm 48 years old now, and by the time I finished, I'd be 52 years old, and I don't know what the point is. And this guy said, I looked at my friend and said, well, aren't you going to be 52 years old anyway? 
Do you, do you want to be 52 with or without the degree? Because 52 is coming. And you know, that's a valid point, and I, I understand that, but you know, I, I often make this assessment in my own life. And I ask myself, how would life be different today if the commitments that I made on an occasion were renewed every day and adhered to faithfully? If the commitments that I made occasionally were renewed daily and adhered to faithfully, where would I be spiritually? Where would you be spiritually? What vices would we have overcome that now still have a little bit of a stronghold in our lives? How much more influence or impact would our ministry have in this moment than in times past or than where it is right now? How much less defeated would we be living in this current time had we pursued the commitments that we have made to the Lord? How much different, we've got to ask this too, how much different would our world be if the occasional commitments of God's people collectively had been continual commitments? I mean, not just that we got fired up at the revival service and that lasted for like 0.3 days. But that every day we just got up and we leaned hard into the grace of God and said, Lord, today your mercies are new and so are my commitments to you. And I know that there's a new supply of grace that abounds in my life that can help me. And Lord, I want to commit afresh. As we've been talking about for the last couple of months, our emphasis has been on yielding our lives to the hand of the Lord. And, and through that would change the world. But, you know, I want to ask you, can you look back on a time in your life when your commitment to the things of the Lord was stronger and maybe more passionate than it is today? And if so, I've got to tell you that it's time for you to revisit that occasion of commitment, whatever occasion that was, and renew that vow to the Lord because it's better to have not made a vow than to have made a vow and not commit it. And today is your day of renewed commitments. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.